Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. start this episode with a question to you Jeff. Mm-hmm. Is it offensive and culturally inappropriate to wear a kimono as a non-Japanese person? I think context is incredibly important as it is with mm. all things. I think I, I had a story the other day uh, that someone went to Japan and they were I can't remember which part of Japan they were in but essentially there's a lot of tourism built around the idea of yeah, wear a kimono, walk through the streets, sort of allow you to immerse yourself in the culture of where you are. And Mm. she engaged in the activity and she posted the photo and essentially she got called out. Uh, She got called out by a white person for saying, and they were like, that's cultural appropriation. And I think that is not correct uh, in a lot of ways because number one, when you're there, there's a broad acceptance that they do love it when foreigners are open to Mm -hmm. partaking in these traditional activities. And it gives them, I I guess a lot of the time, they want people to connect with the place where they're from. Like you've traveled here, you obviously have some sort of interest. So why don't we allow you to have the full experience? And I think in that context, it's okay. I would say where the line gets a bit dicey is where you're, uh, for example, where we are in Melbourne and you buy, you go to some sort of costume party and you're wearing it, but it's not a traditional kimono it was like 20 bucks off ebay it's super short you don't know what the, you don't even probably don't even know what the different parts of japan are you have no connection to the culture and essentially all you've done is just bought it because you felt it looks good on you i think that's mm. where the line is a little bit dicey mm. yep i completely agree with that and you know in looking into this question i was quite curious to see as to what the origins were and kind of the history of the kimono and i think this widespread acceptance of not seeing the kimono as you know culturally inappropriate really does stem from that history and you really do see that you know in Japanese history there's this huge interplay between you know specifically to the kimono industry this interplay between the Japanese and the West you know after Japan opened up to the West there was this huge demand for kimonos like soon afterwards And it was quite interesting because the Japanese kind of maintained their craftsmanship of the kimono, but they also kind of adopted Western technologies and techniques and aesthetics. And I think having this ongoing conversation where you see both the Japanese and the West benefit from Mm. borrowing each other, like that, I think that is a prime example of, I guess, this beautiful mix of cultures, Mm. you know, kind of adopting from each other and and being influenced by each other. I think that's a quite a different situation from when you have another party being exploited and marginalized by a more powerful party um, or where the powerful still is someone from the minority. And I think, yeah, it's quite interesting to kind of see where the history of, let's say, certain garments lie and like the different power interplays that play into that. Okay. I just remembered something and this is completely off script, but I remember in 20. 19 i visited japan at the start of the year i bought a kimono and i wore it to a festival now my question Mm. to you is 
is your response still the same because I'm Asian or is it different? I actually don't, I'm actually not sure. And now I feel, I feel, I feel very divided on the inside because we've just had this conversation and I literally just gave my opinion on what was and what was in cultural appropriation. And my one aligns a lot more to the context of the example I gave where I said it was appropriation. Yeah. But I'm Asian. I'm not Japanese. I think this is, um, but at the same time, I think the fact that you're Asian doesn't mean that you're Japanese. You do what I mean? Like, I think we've Mm, had this conversation mm. before about the problem of treating Asia as a monolith. Mm. And I think to attribute wearing a kimono as an Asian as okay might be a problem. Mm, mm. But at the same time, like even having this conversation, I'm also like, are we even kind of entitled to have this conversation as non-Japanese people? Is it our prerogative to say what is right and what isn't? And I guess I wanted to kind of bring up this conversation or at least start with this provocative question to highlight not only how, I guess, quickly problematic the conversation can go insofar as we are non-Japanese people discussing an item that is Japanese, but also Mm. to highlight how the kimono is also just historically, like from that point of view, an example of where there has been this kind of cultural exchange and consequent cultural appreciation, Mm. if that makes sense. But Mm. I think, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's a bit of a a can of worms to an extent, having this conversation Mm. about cultural appropriation. Um, but I think it's a very important conversation for us to have. And I think why yeah. we wanted to do an episode on this today. We're so wary that this is a huge topic. So we want to be able to confine it to fashion um, in this example. Well, I guess in this episode. But let's start with the definition first, Jeff. What do you say is the definition of cultural appropriation? This, yeah, this is, this is a tough one. I think, number one, the term does get thrown around erroneously and mm. it's almost instinctual when you see a person not from a culture adopt some sort of practice from another culture and the first instinct you just want to you just want to throw the term out there and i think that does lead to this whole confusion and it leads to a lot of the nuance not being properly understood so i think to i guess to give my definition of cultural appropriation you do have to break it down into its two parts so you have culture and you have appropriation so when you think about culture at its I did a lot of research on this and there was a lot of um, very academic, very muffly like definitions, mm. lots of, you know, when back at uni, it's just like those impenetrable definitions and you just sit there and you're staring yep. at it and you're like, <laughs> I have no idea what this means, but I'm still going to reference it. Uh, but I guess the definition of culture that I do really like is that at its core, it's a shared way of living, to share belief in a set mm. of values and principles. So... This aligns similarly to ideas from Benedict Anderson. Uh, Yuval Harari talks about it a lot in Sapiens, as the broad human race were able to believe in this collective of ideals, and that's how we're able to coexist. So I think that is a good way to define culture. It's something that not one person owns, but it's shared and felt across various a, a large mm. group of people. And when you think about appropriation, it's taking something in a manner that is removed from its original purpose and essentially unfairly using it. So when you combine the two and two together, I feel like cultural appropriation is you have taken the best parts or in your view, that something that you like from another culture 
removed it from its context and removed it from the nuance that surrounds it and just adopted it as your own for your own benefit. Mm. What about you? I cheated and I actually looked up the definition. <laughs> so I really admire the effort that you have put into your thoughtful No, no, I just, couldn't, I just couldn't understand the definitions because they're just <laughs> too much jargon. Oh, no, jargon. no, mine literally I pulled from like the Oxford Dictionary. Okay, okay. Hit um, me, hit but, me. you know, surprise, I actually found it to be quite concise. So that definition okay. says that cultural appropriation is the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of the customs, practice, ideas, etc. of one people or society by members of another and typically more dominant people or society. I think what this definition is trying to say is that cultural appropriation is really about power and specifically cultural power. And I think mm. it's about asking who gets to benefit from your culture, but equally keeping in mind that there is value in you know cultural appreciation, as we have alluded to before. And this conversation is something that we want to have within the context of fashion. And, you know, I think especially in fashion, there often is this influence and borrowing and mixing of cultures. And I think that is quite inevitable. You know, mm. you think about the different clothes that you wear and the different items that you have, you know, Spanish espadrilles to like the French stripey shirt. You know, I think mm. these items are really a beautiful expression of culture and craftsmanship. And I just think of like the counterfactual and the possibility of us only being limited to what we wear by our cultural identity. Like, can you imagine mm. if you were only limited to wearing... <laughs> you know, ethnically Chinese clothes, like staying in your cultural <laughs> lane. I think that's just, you know, that, that that's crazy. Um, yeah. And I think you really do see that there's an exchange of ideas and styles in fashion often. That's very normal. And that can be a really positive thing, especially now as we live in this globalized society. And I think we've alluded to this idea before on an episode on food and Asian fusion food, where you can have mm. this beautiful melange of different cultures prime example of that is Japanese denim, for example. You know, the Japanese kind of reimagined the American gene and arguably led to this better version of Japanese denim. Japanese denim is fire. It's such good quality, yeah. Yeah, and like that was purely the product, I think, of having cultures mixing. And I think that is like a great example of where you have this cultural appreciation. Mm. But I think where it gets dicey is where exploitation is involved and when there's no acknowledgement. But yeah, what are your thoughts on, I guess, this difference between appreciation and appropriation in the context of fashion? I think it was it was interesting that you brought up the Japanese example because just as an aside, Japanese people just go around the world and they draw inspiration, they take it back and they apply mm. the, the the craftsman, the shokunin mindset to it and they just make it so good. Like they just obsess over the singular thing and um, so... I admire that way of living so much because I feel we are so distracted by multiple things in our lives and people must think I'm the biggest Dave Chang stan and I am, but he did say <laughs> his favorite pizza in the world was in Japan. So really? that kind of, yeah, that, that kind of does attest to their, uh, the way of working that they've adopted, but mm. that is a distraction <laughs> to answer your question. <laughs> I think for, for us, Again, drawing on that food example, we were essentially born into this culture. We we wear it on ourselves and obviously we're not conscious of it all the time, but it is an inherent part of us. And I think when someone else just comes and they can just 
take something from you where you've had to live with both the, the positives and the negatives essentially, but they only take what they deem as the best thing and whether it's they get better admiration for it or they're misusing it, that hurts us in a lot of ways. It mm. feels unfair and it feels just unjust. People also have the right to be angry, but I think a conversation would benefit from a bit more rational judgment. People coming together mm. and expressing their opinions and then also just, again, we are big proponents of having calm, rational conversations because that's ideally the way that uh, more insights can come out and everyone has a deeper understanding of the issue. So in cultural appropriation, particularly in fashion, I think is no exception. One argument that yeah. I, I've been seeing a lot when I was doing the research was that people will say, oh, but Chinese people in China or Japanese people in Japan love it when people wear traditional attire and, you know, just uh, wearing their chipals and whatnot. But you have to remember that multiculturalism exists on a different level in countries like Australia versus over there. There's a different idea with the power dynamics. Like over there, everyone is Chinese. You know, there's, there's no way they mm. don't feel this essentially class hierarchy or racial hierarchy that exists in a lot of Western countries. So honestly, if I were them, I wouldn't care either. When you think about it, it's like, this is my home, mm. this is my environment. I feel super comfortable here. Uh, my ancestors lived here the whole time. And if someone wants to come and they want to be a part of the culture and wear the clothing, I'm probably not going to care. They're really mm. not exposed to those little subtleties. And again, those power dynamics, which is so important in having this conversation about cultural appropriation. And so that there's a bit more nuance to it. So I don't think that argument necessarily works universally for sure and i think you really do see this manifest in western cultures where you know for like halloween <laughs> people you know would yes. wear costumes of people from different cultures mm. and it's like this idea of dressing up as an ethnic stereotype where you're benefiting at the expense of another person's culture that just speaks volumes about i guess this power dynamic like you said before, Jeff, about who gets to decide mm. that and their ability to do so signifies that they do have that power. And I think especially when you look at big brands and corporations, I'm looking at Victoria's Secret name <laughs> and honestly, just like the ability to just, I don't understand how this Clueless. gets passed through, you know, d different board meetings. And like this obviously has to be vetted by so many people. Yeah. Yet you still see secret Native American artifacts being accessories. Mm. There's this one example where at one of the Victoria Secret fashion show, one of the models, Kali Kloss, effectively wore a, quote, sexy Indian costume. Oh, no. She wore this feathered headdress. She wore like a fringe suede bikini and turquoise jewelry. And, you know, needless to say, wearing a headdress is incredibly offensive when it's not done in the right way. I mean, the headdress in Native American culture is often seen as this war bonnet mm. that has huge ceremonial and spiritual significance. And it's only worn by certain members who've earned the right to wear it through acts of bravery or, you know, honor-worthy achievements. To see this honorable artifact worn by a bikini-clad model on an American fashion show like that's insane 
I think it just speaks volumes about this power dynamic between white America and Native Americans. Yeah, you know? I know what you mean. I think dreads is another big example. Uh, mm. I, th- I think a lot of people wearing dreads to, to festivals of Burning Man or something probably don't know that the culture they're borrowing from is a religion. To be a Rastafarian, it's mm. a derivative of Christianity. It's it's a, it's a religion upon itself. And when they wear it and I was, I was watching, actually, huge recommendation, watch All Gas, No Breaks, uh, greatest reporter and interviewer mm. in America. He's, he's, he's a, okay, yes, he does interview some very rogue people, but what he does really well is that he does not impose any views on his interviewees. He just lets them speak and mm. just letting people speak mm. just says a lot like he went to a proud boys rally and <laughs> he was basically interviewing them mm. and they were like oh we're, we're you know very peaceful we just we just care about the west and then it just cuts to them just beating up reporters he doesn't really like ask them mm. questions about it he just very open-ended and just allows them to speak anyway he goes to burning man and he interviews people there and there's lots of people with dreads and the way they talk about it is, oh, you just it just signifies that I'm free. You know, I'm not abiding by cultural norm, like the, the standard. I'm, I've broken away from the normal paradigm, what society expects of me. And I think that speaks to the ignorance towards cultural appropriation that a lot of dominant cultures have and the fact that they can just take this again, just like your headdress example, a very sacred part mm. of a religion and just adopt it without having a broader understanding of what that thing has as a significance to these people. I think what will be interesting now is kind of examining this in the context within our cultures, because as Jeff and I alluded to before, you know, we're not quite comfortable Mm. being authority figures, so to speak, in speaking about the Native American headdress or Rastafarian uh, religion. So Jeff, what are your thoughts on Chipal's? At costume parties. Is that pronunciation correct? No, I think it is. I think it... Wait. Oh, God. Is it? It's a chi-pao. chi Yeah, chi as in flag. Chi. Chi-pao. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Your, your Mandarin's getting better. Man- Isabella takes oh, Mandarin lessons you, on you. Sundays uh, for our dear <laughs> listeners out there. But no, it's getting better. Your pronunciation's getting better. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on... Actually, Jeff, do you want to explain what it is to our listeners who don't know? Okay, so the qi pao is a, is a dress, it's a traditional frock from China. So it's a, quite a fitted body-hugging dress and it's distinctive with a lot of flowers and features from the Manchu region. And so it's known as a Mandarin gown and it was sort of popularized by the upper class of people living in Shanghai in the 20s and 30s. When people wear it to costume parties... I, I'm definitely guilty of the first thing I think of is why. That is that is always mm. my first reaction. And I think these instinctive responses, obviously they are warranted and they are rooted in, I guess, repetition of seeing people just wear, wearing whatever they want from different cultures. But I think it would benefit to sort of analyze the situation more because there, there, there are more nuances to it. I think just wearing them to a costume party because you think it looks good oh fuck i don't know what my opinions on this are i don't have much yeah Mm. it's hard it's really i when the topic is close to heart it's always really 
difficult. It gets progressively more difficult to separate being rational and just being emotive. And that is the, that is a constant struggle I have thinking about these things because the emotional response is so strong in my heart of hearts. I just want to say like, fucking don't do it. Just, just don't do it. You don't understand the cultural history of it. You don't understand. And this, this is assumption. Maybe they do, but I would say for the vast majority of costume parties where white people are wearing two piles, they don't understand where it comes from. They don't, they might know it's Asian, but they probably don't know whether it's Chinese or is it Korean or is it Cambodian. Mm -hmm. And I think these things Mm -hmm. do matter. And Mm -hmm. I guess my follow-up thought is when is it okay? And is it okay to wear a chipal in a Western context ever? Do you have any thoughts on that? Mm. I mean, I can't speak for the chipal because I'm not Chinese. I never worn one before, but I guess an analogous example is the Aoyai, which is a similar Vietnamese dress, Mm. actually. And I think when I think of the Aoyai, I think of it as a very classic Vietnamese style of dress. It's what a lot of women wear. You know, even my mum growing up and my aunties, they all wore Aoyai to Mm. school. But it's something you often wear as well on holidays like the Lunar New Year and that. I think what makes me real uncomfortable is the Aoyai being sexualized as a Halloween costume or as a costume in general when there's so much, I guess, history underlying that garment and to see people just wear it without a second thought. Like what you said, Jeff, before about, you know, oh, it's just an Asian dress. I think that is quite problematic. And it also depends on context too. Like where are you wearing the Aoyai? If I see, let's say, tourists wearing the Aoyai in Vietnam walking around Hoi An, like I probably wouldn't be as bothered by that if I'd saw, let's say, a white person wearing an Aoyai at a costume party. You know mm. what I mean? Like mm. I think often it really depends on context. And I've actually got an anecdote that I want to share and I want to hear your thoughts about this, about whether or not it was problematic. So you know the conical hat, like the Asian rice hat? Yeah, yeah, the rice the... farmer hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is huge in Southeast Asia. Mm. And particularly so in Vietnam, and we call it the Nong La. And I remember on Instagram, a person I had followed had posted a video of her boyfriend wearing the Nong La at a bar, and he was like dancing. My initial reaction to this was honestly offense, because I think to me, you know, the Nong La, like the Ao Yai, has so much historical significance. In Vietnam in particular, it's often used as a way for farmers to protect themselves from sun and rain. Um, I should say rice farmers in particular. It's also quite a religious symbol too. It's often worn by pilgrims mm, and Buddhist it. monks. And yeah, so I guess the context is that it's quite a deeply historically um, significant piece of item, even though it is quite commonly worn by farmers and um, average Vietnamese people. Mm. And to see this guy at a bar wearing this like I I felt super offended by it and I actually called her out about it I remember I messaged this person and I actually had the screenshot right here <laughs> yes yeah, in preparation for this I because I, I, I was like look I I called her out about it and I said hey I know this may not be intentional but I just want to flag that you know in my opinion I think wearing this hat out of context 
can be quite offensive and really is a form of appropriation, especially speaking as a Vietnamese, and I hope you can understand that. You know, like, I thought I respectfully mm. caught her out and I said why I felt uncomfortable with it as a Vietnamese person. And their response was, haha, I was with my Asian best friends and they gave that to him. And then I replied, yep, that's cool and I'm glad they're okay with it, but I hope you can respect and understand that no one watching this will have that context provided to mm. them. And also, it doesn't mean that others that identify with Asian culture won't get offended. And their response was, he's a quarter Asian. A quarter? Dot, dot, dot. A quarter? Mm. <laughs> a quarter Asian. I didn't reply to that because I was like, are you caucasity for this person after i had caught her out and told her that i was offended by it use the defense of oh no it's okay because my friends are asian and they said it's okay and secondly the person who wore the hat was a quarter asian and the white privilege mm. like the white caucasity just jumped out i don't I don't know how I could have responded to that. And I was at that point, I was like, look, this is a losing battle. I'm going to get agitated over a problem where this person clearly doesn't want to be receptive to the person who arguably has been offended's view. Mm, okay. okay. At the same time, I couldn't help but ask myself if I was overreacting and whether or not I was misplaced in, I guess, being offended. Mm. But at the same time, I was like, am I gaslighting myself? Because why yeah. do I feel like I need to pander myself to like this view that I shouldn't be offended? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, in that you know? example, I think it's really interesting that she said, my Asian friend said it was okay. And then the, mm. then the topic becomes, who has, who has the say? <sighs> yeah. This is very, very difficult. And I definitely don't have an answer. But... Yeah, in saying that, I hate the argument that a lot of white people use is my Asian friend said it was okay. Yep. You know? It's actually analogous to saying that, oh, I've got an Asian friend, so I'm not racist, <laughs> you know? I can't be racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really did. Yeah, like that. yeah. Um, and that's the thing, like... I know for so I know her Asian friends and they are not Vietnamese. And yes, I understand that the conical hat isn't just worn by Vietnamese people, but if I'm telling you as a Vietnamese person that I find this quite offensive, wouldn't normal reaction be like, oh crap, hey, I'm sorry. so sorry, like let me take that down, or oh, I didn't mean to. I mean not Except be a dick about instead, it. Instead, her reaction was, Oh no, like my Asian friends are so <laughs> also this person was called Asian, so it's okay. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think in this context as well, the rice paddy hat has been used to mock Asian people in so many contexts. Like you see it. Oh my whether God. It is, uh, yeah. I think I've seen it in a lot of TV shows. It's always the, it's always the thing that they put on. They put on the rice paddy hat and they have big teeth, like two big front teeth. And they've yep. got some sort of like yep. bamboo object around them. And that's your Asian character. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, there's definitely layers mm -hmm. to it. And TLDR, yeah. wrong regardless, I think in this context, it's just, yeah, it's offensive. And that's the thing. It's context, right? Like I wouldn't have a problem. And it's in fact so normal for tourists and non-Vietnamese people, non-Asian people to wear conical hats, let's say if they're like in Asia and it's bloody hot and like they protect themselves from the sun. Like I think it's one thing to wear like the Nong La like on the street in Vietnam or like traveling, I guess, in a Southeastern Asian country. 
as a tourist, mm. right? Or as a visitor or mm. whatever. As opposed to wearing a hat like this at a bar in Melbourne. Mm. Like, those are completely different situations. Mm. And I think what was... What I found most rattling was her reaction. Like, it wasn't so much as, oh, I'm sorry and I accept this and let me learn from this. Mm. It was very defensive mm. and really quite violent. Like, I think that's a, you know, that's an example of a microaggression. And yeah, basically I unfollowed her after that. And that was like, <laughs> look, I, this isn't worth okay, my time. Okay. But, you know, I, you realise that these things really do manifest in many different ways. Mm. And I think social media has really been able to... I guess in a good and bad way, allow us to almost police the different kind of behaviours people, I guess, endorse or do. Mm. But that could also be a bad thing as well. I don't know. I, I think there's a culture of policing now and self-policing, I think, that has been rampant on social media. But whether or not that is a good thing or a bad thing is another question entirely. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you brought up social media because there is this overlaying argument or not argument theme about the algorithm and what it can show you. So you think about social media in a lot of aspects of our lives, it provides a degree of validation and confirmation. Just take fashion. For example, I get a lot of my fashion inspiration from people on Instagram. You see someone else wearing it and instantly, you know, that someone's done it before. There's a precedence and that gives you comfort, makes you feel good. And it's not like you're taking this massive risk. And if it's in this context of, whether it was the fox eye trend or wearing chipalas the costume parties, if you see celebs do it and you see whether it's influencers doing it, there's probably a generic type of person that you do tend to follow and you're going to see this repetition. It's going to feed this these ideas to you that this is okay and when you see others do it, mm. it's just going to reinforce the behaviour and it does lead to these things spreading. So I think there is... Social media does really have a huge impact on what we perceive as being okay and not okay in fashion. And I think wearing uh, cultural pieces of clothing and give, getting the okay from it from others that you see online is, is no different. Hey, one thing I wanted to ask, and I want to put you on the spot, the line between cultural appropriation and appreciation and I could feel us in that conversation just before about the example you get, you gave. We were getting pretty emotional. I was starting to get angry. I started wanting to scream and stuff. But I think we need to, again. We just need to dial it back. We want to be try to have a, a rational conversation to try understand this topic. So my question to you is: Is it ever possible for a white person to wear a cultural piece of clothing in the place that in a place where that's not where it's from? i.e. in Melbourne, can a person wear, whether it's a rice farmer hat or the qi pao or the Vietnamese equivalent, can they ever do that in this context but not be from that culture? I feel like I'm not going to give you a satisfactory answer because <laughs> I I'm going to say I just wanted to put depends. you on the spot because I don't know the answer. <laughs> I really don't know the answer. I think it depends though. I mean... I think if it's something like the context of education, perhaps that is permissible. Mm. But at the same time, I really can't imagine a white person having to teach, I guess, about the nuances of wearing a chipao, for example. But really, like, I just don't understand why there has to be that necessity to co-opt and wear this garment 
like for the sake of it like why would they want to you know and not why would they want to but like what purpose would that mm. be for mm. and i honestly can't think of anything other than to appropriate i mean I, I guess i can think of it i do actually like your education example i think i can imagine someone who's who basically maybe taught overseas for several years and they're maybe yeah. relaying that, yeah, that's a good that one. culture back yeah. to their students I can think about weddings. I feel like weddings are okay. Mm, actually, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, I, I feel do like, like I do. That. I feel I do feel like weddings are okay. But you can see in both those two examples, there is this idea of context. In the first one, yes, it's all about context. it's all about context, which is, in a way, somewhat of a cop out answer because it's so broad and it, it's just basically the same as saying it depends, but. It does just depend. And I think if you can yeah. understand the different factors that brew into what the context is, then you get to form your opinions around it and you get closer to the answer because there is no yes or no answer. If, if you've listened to this whole thing and you feel like we've just gone on massive rants and tangents and we've gone left <laughs> and right, the, the answer is that there is no set answer. You know, and I think, yeah. yeah. And I think the only thing you can really do is try to break down the topic into the elements, the different elements of a context, whether it's the person, where they are, their history with this culture, what it is that they're doing, like what it is they're wearing. These are all different factors that will feed into the final answer. But I think it's really important to just go out, research, understand, and make your own judgment about this. It's Again, social media, really easy to just cop out and just say it's cultural appropriation without actually understanding whether Mm. it is or not. And that does not help anybody. Mm -hmm. That really doesn't help anybody Mm -hmm. because then the argument just gets diluted. And I think in that context, if people from the left just scream cultural appropriation, people from the right just shut it down and there's, there's just, yeah, it's not beneficial to anybody. Yeah, I absolutely echo all of that. So I guess as a parting note, the next time you think about wearing a costume or going to a festival, I think it's important to think critically about what you are wearing and where that does come from. Because at the end of the day, you may be wearing this and get a great Insta shot or have a good time wearing a certain item, but if it comes at the expense of someone else and someone else's culture and you get called out for that, like be receptive to it. You know, like I, I don't think, and I think this goes back to the conversation about who gets to wear what and who decides what is okay and what is not okay. Always be receptive to people who do not feel comfortable with what you are wearing because ultimately if they're from that culture, they have a more intimate understanding and arguably a more nuanced lived experience of like what that item represents. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. And as always, we'd really love to hear your thoughts and opinions on this because I think from if you mm. listen to this, you can actually hear that we are not entirely sure. <laughs> There's a lot of nuance about it and we would love to hear your stories and your ideas, whether you agree or disagree with us. Uh, our inbox is always open. And obviously, thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you do enjoy this podcast, uh, you can show us some love by clicking the subscribe or follow button. That would help us a lot. But uh, as always, we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.